these guys. These two guys. We're going to try the countdown show, which I used to do with Noel Kassler. The sort of the top stories of the day from the least important, although they're all important these days, to the most important. And number seven is that the Fox trial is about to get going. In just six days, according to the Washington Post this evening, there's a judge that has very sternly told them that they'll have to show up in six days and they have to testify, including Rupert Murdoch and potentially his son James have to testify. It's not going to be an easy ride for them. I think the judge had some interesting words for them, like, uh, what did you mention earlier? It was a credibility problem they might have over Fox. <laughs> <laughs> this is a company that has literally argued in court before through Tucker Carlson that nobody should really take them seriously, which is, well, I can't get angry when the federal judiciary then goes, yeah, you're probably right. You guys are full of shit. So you're full of it. To, say, to tell Fox News, a news organization, to tell News Corp that they have a credibility problem is quite something. Zev, you called them spies. You just came out and said they're spies. I came out in 2017 and said they're spies. Let's just dispense with it. They're spies. They are. I've not said specifically they're spies. I said that they have operated alongside. The show is Spy Murdoch. Well, because he operates like a spy, but he doesn't necessarily have like, his allegiance is to himself, I think. I can't tell whether his allegiance to somebody else or to him, but he certainly operates within intelligence circles to benefit himself. So that's the theory (laughs) of it. Which Somebody is great. who operates well in intelligence circles is known as a spy, <laughs> right, right, but I'm a traditionalist, I guess. But he's certainly been at the very top of the game. I don't know if you've been watching our spy he's Murdoch. Three circles. There's elephants. There's tigers. And he's on a trapeze, but it's not a circus. Until I see he's like actually working for somebody with like a, I don't know, some documentation saying that. All I can say is that he's associating very closely with, with spy activities. Because... <laughs> but let me give you an example. There's this thing called Project Democracy that happened in in the Reagan years, which was a hidden covert operation. Where? Ran out of the NSC. It was meant to be, okay. uh, it was supposedly, would have been under the CIA under a different time, but because the CIA had been wrapped over its knuckles for doing all sorts of things before, they, they weren't allowed to do any black ops. So George Bush was the VP at the time. And he thought, why don't we just take that whole idea? We'll put it at the National Security Council and no one will know the better for it. And we're going to get to fund it. We're going to get all these rich private billionaires to fund it. Using, instead of using only public money. And maybe that guy, Oliver North, maybe he can run the thing because he's, a, he's good at this kind of stuff. And so it was Rupert Murdoch who then had a dinner and much more, I believe, according to the CIA documents, with Mr. Zwick, who was then the Zwick, Mr. Charles Zwick, who was the USIA director at the time. And it's over that dinner that he apparently committed to funding a huge chunk of Project Democracy. And Project Democracy had two sides. So it had a, a side which was yeah, funding NGOs around the world that were interested in promoting democracy. And then it had this covert activity side where perhaps they were selling arms to the Contras or the Iranians or whomever they might have chosen to do so at the time. Yeah, and the president could never remember anything, so he doesn't know. And uh, yeah, and that's how it happened. So uh, does that make him a spy if he's funding spy activity? Yes. Does technically make him a spy? Okay. Yes. Okay. So he's a spy. I think he was probably doing it on behalf of the Israelis at the time or others, but you know, who knows? Who knows? Here's the thing. All, the fact is, you have people that uh, back then who really dis- declared themselves for what they were and who they were, the United States, the Soviet Union. And then you had a lot of people that played the middle. They were middlemen. And that could be as a country and Egypt, Saudi, Israel, Pakistan. They played the middle. Iran went all to one side. Canada was all to one side. And so you have these countries that are in the middle. And then you had the people that could actually get you Soviet weapons to hand to somebody so that if they got caught with them and didn't say this was purchased by the United States right. on them. And uh, those people were often pretty much like the people they were dealing with either in the Soviet Union or the United States, as in spies tend to resemble each other more than the average person does. So what well, I'm really interested in is this, because one of those people who was selling those weapons to the Iranians or whomever was Robert Maxwell, who's a, another well-known publisher of a British newspapers. And, of tabloids. Uh, of tabloids, actually. And interestingly enough, so is Rupert Murdoch. In fact, they're supposedly rivals during the, the, the 60s and 70s, especially the 60s, when they're both trying to buy these newspapers in the UK, like the News of the World and The Sun. And uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe they weren't as uh, operating as rivals as much as they were maybe cooperating with each other in a takeover of the British Fleet Street. Because it does, there's a couple of instances where you're just like, how did these people land up together? And one of them is this cold case that we've been covering on our Spy Murdoch show, which everyone needs to, to tune into. The next episode is on Thursday. 
But you know, it's a really interesting cold case involving both Rupert Murdoch and Robert Maxwell. Oh. In 1969, what are the likelihoods that the two of them would be involved in some sort of murder? And that's just bizarre, not even the same murder. It would just be unusual. But back to the news. In a few days, he's going to have to testify. He's got a credibility problem. He's got a $1.6 billion damages that could be due to, at that point. And many people are saying maybe this is the end of Fox News. Maybe it can't survive. I don't know. I don't know. It may be can't. A boy can dream. Yeah, a boy can dream. If it somehow manages to survive, then it definitely is an intelligence operation because who's got another $1.6 billion to sink into something like this unless you're like China or, or you know, Israel or somebody or <laughs> Russia? Because, you know, as a business, you'd say, well, this is a lost cause. I mean, I just lost the $1.6 billion and, and I'm not going to do this anymore. It's not really giving me that much money. The only money I'm getting is from Mr. Pillow. So, uh, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure that cotton was not grown in Xinjiang province at all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm sure all that money comes from, you know. Yeah. Anyhow, it's made in America. It says it's made in America right there on the label. I've got my Mr. Pillow that I sleep on every night. It's amazing. So this is the story to watch for all of next week. We're going to be on it like, um, we're just going to be on it because this is a big story. Fox News has been the number one disinformation, propaganda, mind manipulation entity in America for a at least the last six years, but certainly um, not longer. They're the best at it. They're the most successful well, at it. They're good at the stuff. And it's time for them to go because wouldn't it be nice if people got some truth in their news because credibility problem is a problem for a news organization, said someone. They can be full of shit as long as they're not like active, hostile foreign intelligence propaganda. I don't even mind if they're wrong okay. uh, as long as they are not Beijing and they're yeah. not Bibi Netanyahu. I'm the level of wrongness in their reporting is quite stunning, though. It's like, you, so, you sometimes you look, you're like, how do they even think this works? How do you, you know, why do people accept any of it? But they do. And I won't be crying if, if Fox News gets shut down, although I do enjoy Succession. Are you watching Succession? No. I'm watching the actual Successions as, uh, yeah. as empires uh, crumble. And in the actual Succession program, the show, um, he died. Well, Murdoch's character died this last week, so. Maybe that's a spoiler. I shouldn't tell. You know, my, my favorite Murdoch-style character is in a Netflix show everyone should watch called The Pentaveret, which is about a oh, benevolent secret society. Have you so seen it? Good. So good. You, you told me about it. And I went to see it. I watched brief, it. So it's, brief small win. It's I so died. Good. Officially, I died in an unprovoked shock attack. Is there yeah. any such thing as a provoked shock attack? <laughs> I mean, technically, technically, there must be if you're another shark. <laughs> that's Mike Myers, isn't it? It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Everyone should watch it. Anyhow, we better get going because we're going to run out of time. So number six on our uh, top 10 chart, uh, speaking of Israeli spies and spyware, a new story out of the Guardian newspaper that was published in a lot of places. The study came out of the Monk School here in Toronto, which does all these interesting studies on malware and different kinds of technology. They do great work. They do good work. And they, look, this stuff you said, actually, before we got on, you said it's been around for a while, but is we first heard of it in, in February 2022, but now they're saying it's 10 countries that have used this. So you've got, let's see, we've got NSO group Pegasus, then we have Redditor. There's a few versions of this, right? And this is oh, Quadream. Yeah. Quadream, I think, is just a terrible yeah. sounding name, but there you go. Look, all I know is that it pretends to be a calendar invite. It's one of these zero clicks. Intrusion just infected and they yeah. have all your stuff. Yeah. So you, you don't even know. Let's even call know. it what it is. These are IDF unit 8200 cyber weapons that have been sold on the commercial market because nobody actually begrudges Israel doing espionage. They're no, supposed no, they're... to. Countries yeah. are supposed to do espionage. Yeah. And if they can figure out how to get in our stuff, any country, Nigeria, Burma, Mongolia, Hey, if you can listen in, great. Well, you, know, you never hear about the Mongolian malware that sort of has taken over the world. You just never hear about those. You only hear about the Israeli ones, you know, or the, or the Israeli ones. These are military type tools and they usually are used and they're deployed by militaries. I think the scandal of NSO group is not that the Israeli military has really top shelf tech. Israel has a huge tech sector. They partner with the United States a lot. That's not surprising. It's when they sell it to the Sinaloa drug cartel. That's mm. the problem we have. Yeah, they tend to choose odd partners for their 8,200 clients. They're not necessarily the most democratic, but neither is Israel these days. Really, you look at the Israeli government today and it's not operating in traditional democratic values. So it's maybe it's not that unusual that they're selling this technology that they've amassed over the years, thankfully, partially to America's 
largesse, that they have this technology that they can now sell to dictators around the world to suppress people and take away their rights. If this is what Israel has become, then, you know, this is what Israel is. It's sad. So no one wants it For to now. be that. But that's, uh, it is what it is. If people need to be aware that this thing's out there. It could be spying on journalists and activists on politicians. Only you wouldn't really know because you couldn't tell that it was on there because it'd be some random calendar invite that arrived for an event that already happened. And uh, you would suddenly be infected by this malware that would give you absolutely zero privacy because your phone can eavesdrop on everything you do in anything vicinity around you. And Israel has not learned any lessons from NSO at all. But who would really, they target that with like people that do like web-based shows about their espionage operations, that kind of, well, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I'm not worried about it. Number five, <laughs> it's not giving that look, it scares me. <laughs> Number five is, da -da -da. okay, so this is a serious story. So this is the shooting in Louisville in Kentucky, another tragedy. I, people cannot say, there aren't enough words to capture the sadness and the horror that has been going on in America for the last few years, but especially since the start of this year where there's just been shooting after shooting. And yesterday in Louisville, another shooting, and I'm, I can't say very much more on the shooting. I can say what I found really stunning is the speed at which the GOP is able to identify who the shooter is and also put out some interesting yeah. uh, disinformation about their sexuality or their sexual orientation or how they choose to identify themselves. Even before the media has even got a name, these guys have, are out there with a name, and the fact that the person might be whatever gender you might choose or whatever sexual identity you might choose. And it's happened a few times. It happened the last time after the school shooting in Nashville, when Marjorie Taylor Greene comes out and like does this whole thing about the shooter being trans. I was like, well, that's really fascinating that you know that so quickly. We just found out she's a woman like two minutes ago. How do you know that she's trans? And then yesterday, after the shooting in Louisville, was his name Seb Gorka? Some weirdo from Seb the, Gorka. Seb Gorka. You know, this is nominally guy, he's Hungarian. Yeah. Yeah. This is the shooter, uh, the alleged shooter. This is LinkedIn page that's been taken down. You know, it's a very legit guy. He's got a real history of liking his bank, liking his work. We're not sure why he did this. He's got a master's degree. Seems like a legit kind of dude. No one's really sure why he would go and do the shooting. But then Seth Gorker points out just minutes later, this is before the shooter's name is even public. Yes. Louisville color with the he, him pronoun pointed out here because of course, if he chooses a pronoun, then he must be, I don't know, take your pick there. And then there's a, a joining tweet which says the same. Breaking Louisville shooter ID'd Connor Sturgeon proudly displaying his pronouns. You might think I, that's not a big deal, that he's just pointing out pronouns, but we know because there's a pattern here of them doing this, that every time there's a shooter, that's for some reason, the Nashville sh school shooting was the second one involving a trans person, as far as I know. And this recent one, we don't know yet, but there's enough questioning around this person's sexual identity or gender that we're not quite sure what it is, but they're certainly not rushing out with that detail. Police aren't in any event. So it's a pattern. And I've seen it a three, this is the third time I've seen the GOP Me come too. out to this thing. And it's worrying because how do they get this information so quickly? So I mean, quickly. It's, it's just, it's, it boggles my mind that they could find out like that kind of detail as a news person, it would take you a long time to sift through because now you've got, maybe you've got his LinkedIn account. Then you've got to call his friends. You've got to find out who, what his gender might be. You, and you might be interfering with law enforcement you doing their job. What if there's a second shooter and you're disrupting an operation? They don't seem concerned about that. It's almost like they have a head start on who this person might have been. Which raises a really important question because if they have a head start on who this person might have been just um, within hours after the event, then do they know that the event is going to take place before it happens as well? It's how do they, have, they know? How do they know? In St. Louis, we had a shooting at a local arts high school and the St. Louis police were closing down. They were securing about four or five other campuses about 20 minutes before the shooting went down. I've got some questions about how they knew to shut those places down, but they didn't figure out how to stop a single 19-year-old with a firearm. The St. Louis police are not exactly reticent to draw firearms on teenagers. Yeah, no, so Go up to Ferguson and have yeah. ground. Yeah. So I don't know. I just got there's a there are, and there are just so many questions about this kind of yeah. pattern over years. And the thing is, because there's no national study of any of this, because there's no national entity looking into the whole national mass shooting crisis that we're having, because we're not allowed to do that here. 
it makes you really wonder, maybe that's why we're not finding out that there's some common trend in here, because the Louisville Police Department will do their investigation and Nashville will do their investigation. They have no reason to cross-reference whether the t- people in these rooms, sorry, in these shootings were also maybe in chat rooms together or in other places together. Maybe there's much more that we're just not knowing about how all of this is put together. There's a pattern here that needs investigating and we need to look at this whole thing from a different perspective. We need to look at it from a 30,000 foot perspective and see where the commonalities are. Because the other thing that, that worried me yesterday is this trending topic, which I kept seeing on Twitter as a number one trending topic all of yesterday as the shooting takes place. So why is there, I'm sure Rise by Sexual Warriors had reference to something else, and maybe it was just coincidence, or maybe there's an effort to do some psyoping around the world. And, and it sounds outrageous. It sounds like, how could you possibly convince people to do these things? But it's not completely outrageous. It's possible. Look, the tar- it's funny you put this back to back with Fox News. Fox News's target audience is old baby boomers. Now, what happens when you get over a certain age is you start getting nervous about the future because your future is going to be shorter than it used mm-hmm. to be. Also, the world's changing in all kinds of ways. That, that's that's uh, something that's been going on for centuries now, that by the end of your life, there's enough progress in science and technology and society that things are going to look different. And that can be worrying. And remember, these people vote 80% or more of the time. So if you're trying to like keep their attention while like while your major news outlets are being either investigated for sedition and or sued out of existence, and you've mm. got to keep these people attention, you've got to do more and more outrageous stuff. And I think there's a couple of things. I've never advanced this theory before, but of course, something that happens in when you get older is your various hormone levels start dropping and your secondary sexual characteristics start going away and men and women start resembling each other more after right? age 60 <laughs> like they do prior to age 14 they met the male and the female resemble <laughs> each other more they develop they when they get fertile they develop characteristics that are divergent yeah and then as time goes on you start to resemble each other and this can be disturbing right for that entire block of their audience so i think there's something that's very primal about wait i'm still like because you're starting to lose a bit of your gender identity interesting Um, look it's also the people who have an issue with trans people right now i mean there is only one group of people in america that have an issue with trans people right now that i can tell and that's the gop i mean they're the ones out there Constantly telling people, propagandists. Yeah, that seems to be the number one issue on their agenda oh, yeah. these days, which is ridiculous considering everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, I've been around gay people all my life. I know very few violent gay people. They tend to be, they're not as violent. I'm not saying they're not, they don't become violent, but it's, uh, it's not consistent normally with the traditions. They're more interested in loving than fighting, I should say. that in Most of the cases, of course, there are instances where people might get violent or whatever, but you know, it's just coincidental right now that there's now, seems to be, I haven't, we have, can't confirm it because no one's allowed to discuss any of these details these days, but these, suddenly the emergence of trans, of killers, of, what are they saying? Is there a trans warrior army? Is there a, what is going on here that the GOP is trying to create in this space? Let's do some stats here. This is why you pay me the big bucks. Yes, so yeah. <laughs> trends, when was violent crime the most intense in the United States? Easy, 1991. Yeah, I, the baby boomers, largest generation in American history, is the, that the pig is going through the snake demographically. And the peak, of course, is 1991. And you peak on two things, violent crime and divorce, because those are things that people do between the age of 25 and about 39. And mm-hmm. so when you have this huge, this huge proportion of the society is all in this one generation, they're all doing this and so as a percentage increases and, and violent crime has dropped in the United States precipitously every year since 1991, as the baby boomers age out of doing things like holding up liquor stores. It's just how it goes. In other words, America gets safer on average every year and has for 30 years. But not during the last few years of the shootings. This surely must be a, some sort of record we were breaking that we've got these um, 146 shootings this year. Mass, we're in, we're in, na- that's total. Now that's yeah. total violent crime. Mass shootings are up statistically without any particular explanation outside of the conspiratorial. Guns is the number one thing that people point to. And of course, guns matter in gun shootings. Of course, that's an issue. Mental health, of course, that's an issue. 
But there's something else because there are guns and mental health issues everywhere in the world. Let's go back to the macroeconomic trends. The sale of small arms in the United States has continued apace. In fact, it's probably increased 5% year over year since like 1991. And the total rate of violent crime has dropped. Exactly. So the, just the availability of guns does not equal more violence per se. There is the AR-15, an Armalite-style rifle that has an extraordinary velocity, ballistic coefficient on the round. Coming out of that is explosive. It is a weapon of war. It was designed to replace the M16. And it's fetishized as something to be feared and or lusted after, if you will. And really, it's just another tool that fires bullets and just fires them with a lot of velocity and a lot of impact. And uh, if you add some hollow points to it, it's, it's incredibly damaging. The issue is, why are all these mass shootings happening? And is there, I think the question is, and we don't have answers for this, is there some force coordinating this? So is somebody recruiting these guys? Is somebody identifying with all the digital information that we have about individuals, especially you think about all the leaks of healthcare data? These things go by and people go, oh, that was a news item from 2015. Yeah, 1% of America or 1% of the world population is schizophrenic. Schizophrenics are not violent mm. most of the time. You've got, I think, 1.3% bipolar. I haven't checked all my DSM-5 stats, but that you've got a variety of personality disorders. You've got, what do they call it, the dark triangle of different psychological symptoms and syndromes. Bottom line, though, if you fish out like hundreds of millions of health records at a time, you can identify a, hand, a handful of people who fit certain characteristics. January 6th featured 25% of the people who were in that crowd had declared bankruptcy in the hmm. last five years, I believe. Interesting. Interesting. They had a quarter of them had declared bankruptcy at some point. I know that. That's not the, that is not the national average on that. So it suggests... Is that a coincidence? Are those people that felt really hard done by who believed that America was screwed up and really didn't need to change because really their, their American dream had not turned out and was, of course, bankruptcy is very traumatic for people. For sure. But how did, like, how interesting. We know that there were foreign, that there were foreign intelligence services that were identifying people who were susceptible to certain types of political messaging, whether it was sedition or racism or xenophobia, anti-immigrant stances. They have, Cambridge Analytica looked at who yeah. had an opinion about Obamacare. We also I know mean, that during, Chan, during the early stages of setting up the alt-right, the Chan 4 was where they went and found all their the extremists, or whatever you want to call them, and how they groomed their extremists. And they looked for certain types of personalities. Sometimes they looked for people who were on the, on the spectrum. Sometimes they looked for people who were what they called incels, the people who were not having sexual lives or whatever it was, the better about their sexual experience, whatever. We know that this is what these in, the espionage groups and these operatives were doing all the way back in is, is, uh, 2015 or around that period of time. So, and the gamer group is another one. They saw gamer community. That's another community mm -hmm. that they've been using. So it's not, if you're going to look for a coordinating puppet master in all of this, it might be in those chat rooms. But because we're, we have no, we're not allowed for some reason because of the NRA to quantify or to research why gun crime is happening in America, because it's a yeah, supposedly an infringement on our second amendment. And because of that, we don't really yeah. know why this is going on. On top of that, because we have no national investigative body that's looking into all these mass shootings. I've been saying this on Twitter the last few weeks, and I really believe that it's important that the Biden administration put up some sort of national task force that investigates these shootings investigates the actual shootings, but then it also identifies what be, could be the causes of it and bring in the CDC, bring in all the other expertise it, that you can have to find out why people are being activated or triggered to do this. Like, what if there were an agency that dealt with, like, I don't know, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, and explosives that, like, looked They're at a terrorist allowed. event? They're not well, allowed. See that, until Steve Dettelbach took the top slot as administrator of the ATF, there hadn't been a full-time head of the ATF for seven straight wow. years. How convenient. So, How convenient. And before that, ATF was the last agency not to be allowed to digitize its records. And the NRA went to the CDC and said, no, you may not look at the health effects of this. Mm. Now, who does this really help is gun traffickers. <laughs> it, this is organized crime in action, as well as hostile porn 
Folks, we had an interesting news item here in Missouri where what is it, Camden County, home mm-hmm. of Lake of the Ozarks, the county commissioner, the prosecutor, and the sheriff all said that they, the ATF has no jurisdiction in their county. And uh, oddly enough, there were some people trying to open up gun stores and the ATF contacted the county saying, hey, is this, we just want to know some, like, some plots of land here. Is this residential zoning or is this commercial zoning? Because there are rules about where you can have a gun store and you can't have a gun store like next to a daycare. You can't have one like in a residential area. It's got to be like some commercial area. These are, the ATF is trying to help people open gun stores because just as long as they're on the map, right? And on the right part of the map. And so the folks in Missouri here decided that they basically want to secede from the United States and they get to pick and choose which parts of the Constitution. This and, is a problem uh, everywhere. It has to rule just recently that their local police cannot assist federal law enforcement agencies in any investigations of gun crimes. Oh, did the, Louisville do that too? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's just been spreading everywhere. This is Kentucky. But yeah, it's been everywhere. So I think weird. That's it's the, the same thing they there. had. Missouri had the Second Amendment Preservation Act. It was just struck down by a federal judge. And this, these are these guys going, oh, that's still. So this is, yes, it's the mob. It's the Koch brothers or what's left of them doing their business around around America. It's Leonard Leo, you name it. But it's obvious now that this is what's going on. It's the on. Confederacy yeah. as well. Yes. These are all slave-owning states yeah. formally. And they're like, we don't have to follow the federal government if we don't want to, and I'm going to, I'm going to swear a little here. Yes, you fucking do. You lost the war, guys. You and lost. Are dying. The point is that the, look, firstly, the Biden administration has a responsibility to do something really serious and stop this because we can't keep this going on. And I'm a big fan of the Biden administration, but there needs to be something that can be done. If there's no legislation that can be passed because we have a obstructionist foreign owned Republican party, then we need to do something else. And the only thing we can t- possibly do is an executive order saying there's a national crisis around gun shootings and we're establishing an independent body of a task force of some sort that is going to investigate each and every one of these and also look for national trends to understand why this is happening. And screw anyone who says otherwise that if you're the president of the United States, you can do these things, presumably. I don't, I don't know if you can, but I presume that this is something that's within his gambit. I think it was President Obama that passed the national emergency around gangs. You could do the same thing around guns. I'm, On I'm pretty, all organized crime. Yeah, yes, exactly. Because clearly the FBI is not doing it. The people who, you know, what is the FBI doing? They're not investigating the stuff. They're not doing it. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Look, they're actually, I want to just push back. There there Hmm. are dozens and dozens of felon of the firearm, felon of the firearm crimes all over the place. ATF investigates, FBI investigates. Hmm. Those are federal crimes. And those are filtered through DOJ all the time. When you're talking about these mass shootings, though, I think when you're talking about the Seb Gorka having the details before the news has the details, there's some complexity in here. And you said we might sound conspiratorial. First of all, I get a little, I get a little itchy about that, that adjective yeah. because conspiracy yes. is a thing people do Two, conspiracy is legally cognizable under statutes. It is a de- definition of certain types of crimes. So talking about conspiracy is not wrong. It's what prosecutors do every day. And it's what intelligence analysts do every single day. But this is a complicated situation. We are seeing patterns that are disturbing. They are indicative of behaviors that cannot be easily explained. And I think that's where special multi-agency task force that does nothing but look at the background of these shootings, Mm -hmm. looking for commonalities. I think that's a great idea for a policy that needs to happen that goes, wait a minute. Because, like I was saying, the gun crimes are coming down over yeah. time. Yeah. Two-thirds of the gun deaths are from suicides, right? A lot of people, it's about roughly 10,000 homicides, 20,000 suicides. So th- that's pretty constant. But these shootings every few days in these major cities with these unusual circumstances, there's more to learn. And neither you nor I think any federal authority is able to address that with rock solid facts that everyone can feel comfortable with. So clearly we cannot have our churches, schools, malls, hospitals, banks in such a state where every American is just playing the lottery every day. And you just hope that it's not your number today. Yeah. And look, so many people now know people who've who've been impacted by shootings or understand that it's it's designed to do more than just activate shooters and, and get, and shoot innocent people. It's designed to terrify Americans. 
It's designed to put us into a it's state terrorism. Of, of absolute fear. And I do believe it's terrorism. Ultimately, I think we will discover it's some form of terrorism. And so whether they're managed to somehow figure out a way to activate and groom people over whatever mechanism they've been able to, it, it doesn't preclude them from being responsible and for it still being terrorism. And so, and we, because we have a GOP that's so beholden to this group of organized criminals, of these mob figures, of these intelligence assets, we can't really rely on them to pass any legislation. They're compromised on this issue. They're completely compromised. What we need to do is figure out a way around them, as we've done with other things. There's been a lot of things that we've had to figure our way around the use of the grand jury system instead of using the investigations. That's, they, these are different ways of attacking crimes. We can absolutely, I believe, set up a task force that looks at all these things because too many people are dying and it's, the cost is too great, ultimately. We're having the effect of all these, this news coverage, this trauma that we're repeatedly seeing every yeah. single day on TV is costing us so much of our, of our innocence, of our confidence, of our growth. And we'll continue to just let it go on because it's a nice political game to play. Oh, the GOP is not doing anything. Naughty GOP. We know the GOP is not going to do anything. The GOP is not going to do anything about guns. They're not going to do it. So trying to yell at them to convince them to do it is not going to happen. We have to figure out a way around it. And yeah, it might be strategically not as interesting from a political point of view, but we still need to do it because people are dying. There's terrorism going on in our streets and there's trauma happening. And we all know that trauma is much more complicated than we think it is. It's yeah. traumatizing for kids. Kids should, kids should not be thinking about, am I going to die when I go to school? It's not fathomable in a country that is so sophisticated, so civilized. And yes, we're under attack. Absolutely, we're under attack from a variety of forces around the world who want to destroy America. But this is the front line for me. This is, people are actually dying here. People are dying on a daily basis on, because of this war that we're having. And you might argue differently, but I think it's the only thing that can account, it's the only different thing that's happening here that's not happening in other countries is that we're under attack for our system of rule. And that reason alone, you should look at these school shootings as frontline terror attacks on us. And it's not the fault of, they're not taking away the fault of the shooter. Of course, it's, the shooters are responsible, but there might be other factors that are making them do it. And we need to understand what those are. And we won't know until we study it because we, how could we possibly know if we don't look at all these things in totality? Number four. So number four is all about the Pentagon Papers, a big Pentagon leak that came out from a gaming group. I guess it came out from Discord of all places, which isn't really a gaming forum, but nevertheless, it's also used for gaming, but it's used it's for a communications of, protocol yeah, that yeah. you can put documents up on. Yeah, there's tons of, I'm, I'm Discord all the time for different chats and different things. And the news out of the, these leaked documents is okay. It's not everything that we wanted it to be, but it certainly gives you an inside look at how the United States is thinking about the war in Ukraine as soon as, as recently as March 1st, which is very recently indeed. This is about as close as you can come to a real-time analysis of what is going on the ground in Ukraine. And yes, certainly Russia looks like it's doing terribly on the war front. It is. But there are real concerns, I think, around Ukraine's supply chain. And, you know, maybe they don't have enough supplies to last them beyond May. But I tend to think that the Biden administration is not really screwing up on that front. I, I would think that they have enough supplies to do what they need to do. There might be concerns about them not having enough, but I would suspect that the, there's an effort to make sure they're replenished in as much time as they need it. And it does sound like the Ukrainians are having a very difficult war, that the counteroffensive that would have happened this last, this now is not being as effective as it was because people are really worn down, no kidding, after two years of, of an assault like this. And so... Those were all interesting things. It was a little, uh, were the, heart, the reality of thinking that maybe Russia could still win this, which is still a possible headline out of this. That's, uh, that wakes you up a little bit. But it's a could win this. It's not will win this. And certainly America is still doing everything it can to support Ukraine along with its European allies. It makes you believe that there's still an effort there that it feels pretty strong. Dave Chappelle, the comedian, made a comparison with Russia's assault on Ukraine and their inability to win. He's like, this would be like America going to war against Colorado and having trouble. I thought mm -hmm. that was pretty brilliant. <laughs> it's like, oh, these guys, <laughs> they are tougher than we thought. They're living in a war zone. It is horrific when you look at it. You see this picture here. It's like, it's war. Yeah. Yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly. There's some other news that came out of these leaked documents. We don't even sure if they're real. We're not even sure. Some of them have been doctored, so that makes it even more complicated. 
And we're definitely not sure who leaked them. It could be anybody. You could find a case for Russia, Ukraine, America, any other country in the world to have leaked this out. So my feeling on classified defense information, I believe it should absolutely be read in the SCIF when you have a clearance. And other than that, I'm not really in. Okay, which is good because we won't talk about it too much. But there are two stories out of there which I'm going to talk about because they're made in the Washington Post. And I just feel like I'm just, I'm just going to say it. Firstly, this issue that came out of the Discord and uh, possible at 4chan universe, I think, yeah, we should be looking at those forums. If, they, if we're not sitting around those forums investigating and not catching things like this, then maybe we need to step up our efforts and do more of that because it's not a surprise that these areas are where some of the stuff is getting traded. Oh my gosh, you're going to, I know you want to not talk about these, but I'm going to talk about them because they have to go through a countdown. So the, this is the number three story. This is involving Egypt, supposedly an ally of the United States or apparently supplying the Russians with rockets or wanting to supply the Russians with rockets, according to these leaked documents from the Pentagon. We've known this for a while. Egypt is part of the enemies of democracies and have been since. Didn't you expose this big story that happened in 2016 when someone gave Donald Trump $10 million? Yeah, CC transferred him $10 million during the campaign. Yeah. yeah. So I like the neon. The neon. Yeah. It's, yeah. It looks like a new Broadway show. It's a one-man show. So there's another guy, of course, that's, also in the Enemies of Democracy Club, and that is, is Hungary's Viktor Orban, who, according to someone on Twitter today, said that they identified the United States as one of the party's top three adversaries. The United States is Viktor Orban's top three adversary. Well, thank you, Viktor Orban. Aren't you a part of NATO? Aren't you our ally? And, and where did the Republican Party do yeah. CPAC? They do it yeah. in Budapest? I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Victor I mean, Orban actually headlined their thing last time around, I think here in, in the States. Then he, yeah, he came yeah, and did yeah. the, the main speech. So yeah. yeah. So just, he gets one of these two because yeah. I'm just enjoying myself so much today. So you're an enemy of democracy too. <laughs> Not so much an enemy of you democracy. Should do, you should do narrative baseball cards with enemy of democracy baseball cards. <laughs> I think you of doing it. I think I, I just decided today I've got to be more out there with this stuff because you just got to say it. Sometimes you just got to say what is the truth and uh, people can do with it what they will. Number one story is all about Emmanuel Macron. And this is your story, oh, so you can tell us all about... Me. You honor me. This oh, was this so fun. It's a, good one. it's a good story, and I applaud you for finding it. Emmanuel Macron, president of the French Republic, is a staunchly centrist, staunchly U.S. ally, staunchly pro-NATO president. He's for a strong Europe, and he's totally... He's a very intel friendly president. He's aware of all the foreign compromise in his country and other people's countries. And he's so pro-spook that Macron actually reinterred American entertainer, Mer sorry, French, American French entertainer, Josephine Baker, yeah, who was a black American from St. Louis, Missouri, who emigrated to France as an entertainer. He honored her entire life. She took on French citizenship, came back and worked with Martin Luther King, even after she was a French citizen. But she was honored particularly for her work in counterintelligence, bashing on great. the Nazis during World War II. <laughs> she must have been so good at she, that. <laughs> she, she hid classified documents in her knickers uh -huh. <laughs> because she was so famous she knew that even the Nazis would not dare molest her, that, uh -huh. she, that it would be so bad for them. She was so famous in Europe that she knew that they would, there's lines that they wouldn't cross with her. And she was right. And she like Amazing stuffed her story. pants full of stuff and like went to Lisbon and handed it off. It was like real, real life Casablanca stuff. She was just fabulous in every possible way. And Macron has her put next to Voltaire and the leaders, the absolute leading lights of all of French culture. So that was not just a unification with the United States there, but he's raising up a spook that this is the stuff people like me win an entire life for. But as punishment, he has a lot of like online and media propaganda against him. And one of the things that I've noticed over time is that people constantly, uh, just repeatedly mistranslate him. Also, they're making commentaries about the French president's comments about geopolitics because we have a French president who is very like Charles de Gaulle in his approach. He believes of France as a leader nation in Europe, and he says consequential things. 
in ways that his predecessors like Francois Hollande and Nicolas Sarkozy maybe didn't. And so he's catching a lot of heat for it. Now, it, I think the American outlet Politico finally stepped over the line where they weren't just not telling the story correctly or adding a frame to it. They were actually interspersing his comments in an interview that happened above Côte Unité, which is Air Force One for France. He gave a, an interview to three journalists. One of them was Politico. And the French outlet Les Echos published the actual comments. And Politico published these comments cherry-picked with a lot of their opinions submitted as fact. And it was pretty scandalous what they did. Isn't and Politico now owned by a... I know you're not, you're not very Germans. clear at night, but yeah, but I thought that they were owned by German group now, the political group. and uh, Yeah, Axel Springer. But before that, they, they were also, they were started by the Albritton family, which has a, which owned Riggs Bank that has a very complicated history with Pinochet and some German ties there. And uh, there's a bit of a competition. 9-11. Between Germany and France right now, but who gets to be the top dog in Europe? And so... Oh, yo, absolutely. I mean, there's, you can't take that out, but this is a very special crew in particular. So, but that being said, I did a little, I finally reached my boiling point. I was like, hold on, I'm going to just go through and actually translate this out because I started life as an interpreter and my, my first job was in Paris and I grew up in French Canada and that's bilingual. And I just went through and just explained a few things about generally about French, particularly Parisian high-level French discourse that it went viral. I was very surprised from a nerd standpoint that it went viral. But I just pointed out, like, did you know that the French are known for stating things in a very subtle manner that can actually be not that subtle? Or they can say things that are really the opposite of what they mean? This is, this is all diplomats, but it's French. If you want to get really linguistic, French has far fewer words than the English language. So you paint with a little broader strokes, and that leaves you a lot of better, a lot of room to fit in different sentiments. And mm. Macron is just brilliant at this. He's just a, a has more or less words, by the way, and more or less words, fewer words. The French, I, I think, one third as many. Yes, oh, really. English English is such an amalgamation of so many different languages mm. that we have a greater diversity of adjectives, in particular, so we can be very precise about things. And in French, they have fewer words. They have, it's a very developed language, of course. Yeah. And, but just linguistically, you can, it's, think of it as just painting with different paintbrushes. Right. You can, this, it's a stylistic thing. It can be a little more poetic and it can include three different meanings, whereas in English, you might be zeroed in. Right, 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 right. Uh, and I just, my, I'm reading Macron's statements about China. And we talked to China and they're aware that uh, Ukraine is at war with Russia and that we're helping Ukraine. And I really talked to China about maybe they need to take account of what Russia's done in Belarus moving nukes in. I was like, whoa, because every single word uttered in statecraft matters a lot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because when it comes from the president of a country, it's thought of as policy. It's thought of as that nation's policy. So when Macron rolls something out like, I told China they need to think about what Russia did. We didn't say that. He didn't say that to Mexico. He mm. didn't say that to Namibia. Mm. He said it to China, though, because I think he was topsiding something people in the intelligence world know more of, which is that the Chinese bought 10% of Ukraine's land. The Chinese had a lot of deals in Ukraine, mm. and Chinese have a lot of deals with Russia, and that they were probably financing a lot of this Ukraine war. And that's, of course, Macron has the highest level of top secret security clearance in the world, right? Financing it from the, the Russian the side. Division one ball. The Chinese from the are, Chinese side. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the Chinese we story here. We did a show about this, yeah. you know. The missiles that we spoke about, right. the, the, the so, missile parts. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of Chinese right. weapons and technology finding its yeah. way into Russia. Right. And money. And money. They're the biggest so, clients for all their oil right now. Right. So, so Macron is just coming out and reflecting some stuff that, forget a top secret brief, briefing from DGSE, their CIA equivalent. This is, he could just be watching narrative and coming yeah, up with this. Exactly. But the line that everyone was taking is, oh, look, he's weak on China. He's really pro-China. And you know what? The Chinese love him. And I'm like, that is not what any of that said. And it was just wild, Zeb, is that I got a couple thousand retweets over a million views wow. on that thread. Well done. And you have this whole European policy edifice, all these different think tankers 
I'm, some of the lines are just so ridiculous. I they I'm surprised and a bit embarrassed for them when I think the line that they pivoted to when because no one was like I read French fluently and I can write it diplomatic level fluently too, just like you. So I don't I nobody disagreed with me on content. Nobody disagreed with me on a professional level here. But the line they took was if he's just being so fancy, then nobody will understand him. And that's not fair. And <laughs> French speaker, some honest French people who are like, no, I understood what he said. And Eric is, he's got it right. Because the French can tell you to F off in a diplomatic context without oh, yeah. using curse words. They make it sound nice. <laughs> In fact, the nicer it sounds, the worse it is. A little subtlety. Okay, so let's say I'm describing if we're at a party, you're not there, Zev. And I say, somebody asked me about Zev Shalev, who I, by the way, audience knows I I love you. And somebody asked me, what do you think about Zev? Now, let's say we have two comments. I go, Zev, he'd be dodgy at times, Mm. but you know, he comes up with some sharp things. Then Mm. put this in the French language and then put in the French language, he is a very intelligent guy and we do great work together. In a French dinner party context, the first part that he's kind of, you know, he's a, he's a little dodgy. That would come off as way friendlier and more affectionate than uh, he's very intelligent. Yes. And we do great work can mean he's not that intelligent and I don't like doing the work. It's like, they just they do flip it. some things yeah. around. There's all these holes in there. And so you have these people who are, look, like, I don't make comment on Greek elections. I don't make comment on Hungarian politics. What I defer do? to people that are experts <laughs> the, in that. No translation. No translation. But not translation. Yeah. And these people were going, well, the Elysee Palace got to pick and choose its quotes. So this is totally accurate. It's like, I'm an interpreter by training. I've been doing it over for 25 years. And the same set of words in Quebec and France don't mean the same thing between professions that don't mean the same thing and between people that don't necessarily mean the same thing it is a whole art it's a whole science and statecraft i look i would love to sit down with people from state department from london from Quai in france and we could pick apart some sentences but it's a fairly elite game and there's all these people going this is what macron meant but they had no like they were picking at his policy or some comment that he'd made about like we would not ex- i think it was something to the effect of, we would not accelerate a crisis with Taiwan. They're like, he's, he's letting him get away with stuff. It's like, that's not what he said. He never said, what, I'm going to be uh, uh, protecting Taiwan, like no matter what, like the United States believes it should do. But that's not, a, that's not French policy. French policy is not that. And thank God they have a slightly unique policy around this because it might deter America from doing something like that at any given I, point. Even America doesn't say, well, yes, we would absolutely accelerate a crisis with China and Taiwan. No, yeah, but they will say they'll fight. Say it. For Taiwan. And I mean, America what, is accelerating a crisis between Taiwan. We're the ones putting yeah. our, like, parking our aircraft carriers yeah. between there. We're, we're doing stuff like that in the region. France isn't. No. And so it makes sense for France to, to center its policy on maybe French Polynesia and like keep also, to its knitting over there and go, yeah. And for the rest of it, we'll be a sounding board. The Chinese can tell us stuff that we'll pass to our United States allies. And that can be our relationship. And that's, being weak on China policy. In fact, that's being a wingman to the United States getting NATO's policy done. And there were all these experts, many of whom I understand to be paid at think tanks, which is just embarrassing for everybody involved, who don't seem to understand foreign policy, don't understand France, and don't understand the French language. And it's a poor combination for making comment about Macron's Yeah, look, I think firstly, I didn't know you were so talented that you could translate stuff so impeccably, but thank you for now letting us know that because I might need that one day. But also congratulations on that skill set because I can't do anything like that. But also I would say that it's helpful at this point in time that Emmanuel Macron is trying to pull off some peace deal as he tries to do regularly with the Chinese and the Russians, or trying to move them closer to to some sort of peace settlement in Ukraine without having to throw an extra lot of gas into a fire pit by saying, hey, I'd like to attack Taiwan as well if you go after Taiwan. Because I don't think it's helpful to a guy who's trying to mediate a peace deal. So you might have chosen some words that would have been hard to interpret or a little bit opaque, but that's okay. That's his job to do that sometimes. And uh, I, I thought he put, I thought he put the wood to <laughs> Xi Jinping on that. And when he said something to the effect of, I remember more in French than English, he's like, 
I'm not sure if Ukraine is a diplomatic priority for China. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't sound very intense, but it's like, I don't know if you guys are freaking thinking about this, you morons. I mean, like the secondary effects of like, I like, okay, this is, they're partnered with Russia's at war. So for him to say, yeah, I don't know if they're really thinking about this basically says they are idiots. Look, there are countries on the world right now who are warmongering like crazy and they would make it seem like it's the West, but it's definitely not the West. It's definitely Russia and it's definitely China that are escalating tensions around the world because they are intent on doing some sort of global war. That's what Ukraine is all about. That's what all this tension around Taiwan is all about. And the rest of the world would rather not go to a world war, thank you very much, and is doing everything it can not to do that. And so the fact that China is siding with a genocidal dictator like Putin and and killing people in Ukraine for no good reason um, is exactly what he was pointing out and in the subtle way that he might do it. And we had, in case Macron is watching narrative, which he should do. But um, I tagged him, so you will, yeah. (laughs) So when we had Michael McKay on here, he had a great perspective on Putin's decision-making that I really hadn't even considered until he he brought it up. And it it really stayed with me. And it was about how Remember how much the Russians want to erase Ukrainianness and have for decades. I was like, that's right. Because we were talking about why are these guys violently warmongering so much? They're just causing bad blood in the world community. They're not going to win this war in a conventional sense either. I think it might be worse if Vladimir Putin finds his way to Kiev. His life will be immeasurably worse. So why is he doing it? That's our first revived countdown show. And uh, that was fun to do. Tell everyone where they can find out about your stuff and where they can find you. I'm still writing stuff on Twitter and I have a YouTube channel. Stop on by. Which is Game Theory Today. And it's right. But if you're going to look me up, just look up Eric Garland. I look up Eric Garland. E-R-I-C, Garland. I did did go through some of your great shows the other day. They're really terrific and people need to check them out. If you want to support Narrative, you can do it by going to patreon.com forward slash narrative. If you want to support us by watching on YouTube and subscribing on YouTube. We'd really appreciate it. So hit that subscribe button. Or if you want to join as a member on YouTube, you can also join on those fine notes. I'm going to say goodnight to you. We shall be back on Thursday night for episode four of Spy Murdoch. We go back to the 1970s. We'll find out all about what Roy Cohen and Roger Stone were doing with Richard Nixon. Yes, Richard Nixon and Roy Cohen did do stuff together. Also, some mobbed up activity and how... In 1976, we already knew that Ronald Reagan was going to be president in 1980. We'll tell you how. All of that is coming up on Thursday's episode of Spy Murdoch. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives.